This podcast is brought to you by the Eisner-nominated Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. Hacha! Hi, this is Israel Donaldson, creator of The Protectors, and you're listening to the two-headed nerd, Joe Amant. Don't go nowhere. Sort of, sort of break it, break it down like good. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat in Omaha, deep below the metro area, it's my pleasure to welcome you to episode 161. It's a tiring number, isn't it? Some of, bitch. Of THN, where we're talking comics and nerd news for the week of Wednesday, May 7th. My name is Matt Baum. You can find me on the Twitter under the handle at Matt Baumstein. And when I'm not getting screwed out of seeing Spidey 2 by my wife now, and I'm realizing that I'm surrounded by saboteurs and enemies <laughs> Are you who still I on once considered friends and loved ones. I'm writing the Comic Speculator blog for Woodpoint.com. You haven't let that go? No, I haven't let it go because I haven't seen the damn movie yet. And I'm Joe Patrick. You can find me at JoePatrick116 on the Twitter. And when I'm not buying Mother's Day presents and forging Matt's signature on the card, because the only reason Colleen Baum thinks that anyone loves her is because of me. That woman is a cruel bitch of a mother. She's a saint. She was a And monster. you don't deserve her. She used to burn me with cigarettes and scald my genitals. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm the manager of Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska, and I've seen The Amazing Spider-Man 2. You son of a bitch. I like how you don't bring up the untold tales of two at a nerd because you're never going to draw it. In this week's episode, you will hear... I might just draw some of it this weekend. That would be wonderful. In this week's episode, you'll hear our reviews of The Woods. And New 52, Future's End, number zero and one. After that, we'll review ten more of this week's new comics faster than my mother can disown me during the ludicrous speed round. And then we'll retire to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum, where we'll celebrate Mother's Day with some of our favorite comic milfs and talk about what we'll be reading next week. And then... We will make up for not having an answer of the week for the past two weeks by playing some of our favorite answers to the question of the week that hit two weeks ago. We had some technical difficulties. We'll talk about it later. We don't want to talk about it at all. Let's just, just let's just do it and move on. Know that we're sorry. But before we get to all the yo mama so fat jokes, let's take a moment to apologize for the catastrophic failure that seems to have killed last week's answer of the week. And then... We'll talk about this week's big news. Get over it, people. Yeah, I'm tired of apologizing. Get over it. We got big news. Gas up your Zord and slip into your spandex. That sounds really dirty. It's morphin' time. <laughs> it's morphin' time. It's not as dirty as wax your bat hole. Oh, look at my Zord. It's huge. <laughs> That's right. Everyone's favorite quote. Teenagers with attitude are back. I see your Zord is as big as mine. <laughs> or at least they will be when Saban and Lionsgate team up to reboot the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers for the big screen. I'm just glad Saban is still working. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really liked him. Oh, they're big, man. The I'm power. Think, I'm thinking of Sinbad. I'm sorry. I take that back. <laughs> <laughs> Sinbad is not still working. The Power Rangers, of course, features the adventures of a group of teens that transform into superpowered ninjas that pilot mechs and fight kaiju monsters. An all-new group of teens will be cast for this reboot. Lionsgate has a proven track record of adapting youth-oriented material, like them or not. The Hunger Games, Twilight, and Divergent films Don't are- Don't forget about Punisher Warzone. And Punisher Warzone <laughs> are all huge box office successes. Now, Matt, are you hoping for the return of Rita Repulsa, or are you more of an Ivan Ooze kind of guy? I'm going to come clean here. I'm a huge, like, I'm into Japanese monster and robot culture. Never gave a about the Power Rangers. It was just like after my time. I, I just oh never yeah, cared. for sure. I I missed the curve on yeah, that one. Yeah, like I love Ultraman, 
And he essentially does the same type thing, but he's just one dude, you know? Right. I mean, Power Rangers is essentially, it's a Japanese show adapted with American actors yeah. for the drama parts. They basically left in all the Japanese like fighting parts yeah. where, where they were in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers outfits. Yep. And the rest of it was like, you know, white and black kids running around. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, there was one the, Asian the, kid, I the think, The multicultural too. pals. Yeah. Well, it was different every every time. Like, it constantly reboots. But they weren't getting killed, right? Well, I doubt it. Okay. I really doubt it. <laughs> they go, oh, the last team got brutally murdered. Here are your new Morphin Power Ranger. Here's how it goes. Here's how Power Rangers, every single episode goes. Team of kids fights a monster at regular size. The boss of said monster says, oh man, this won't do, and makes the monster grow into a giant. The kids summon their individual robot mechs. Right. They form the Megazord. I get it. And yeah. then they fight. It's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's. It's Voltron. Ninja fighting. Yeah. Voltron fighting. Repeat. It's all that. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, just not my thing. Yeah. I feel like I should love it. Like as a kid, as a, as a, a disaffected youth, right? Uh, when Power Rangers hit the US, I was already past that age. But now as an adult, I feel like it's something that I could really enjoy. Uh, but we'll see. I have a feeling it's not going to be for you. Oh, I mean. Yeah, not going to make it for you. I don't doubt it, but. <laughs> Speaking of big screen returns, Drive director Nicholas Wang Dang Reffin will be producing a remake of the 1988 slasher classic Maniac Cop a movie that I loved. <laughs> By the way, it's a great one. Here is a snippet of the original Mania Cop trailer. There is something in the streets. Something in the dark that kills. When the killer is a cop, there's danger in every badge. You're not gonna get me. Suspicion in every uniform. When a cop turns killer, no one is safe. Reason cannot stop him. Bullets cannot kill him. This is one maniac you'll have to face alone. Maniac Cop. The original film screenwriter and director Larry Cohen and William Lustig will return to produce as well. But why does any of this matter to you, our loyal listeners? Because superstar comic writer Ed Brubaker is scripting the remake. A director for the remake is expected to be announced at the upcoming Cannes Film Festival. Joe, I know you're a horror baby, but does Brubaker's involvement make you more likely to see this one? You know what? <laughs> it kind of does. It kind of does. A Maniac Cop was good slasher fun. It's not like it was scary. Well, sure. It was just ridiculous, unstoppable 80s bad guy. Right, right, movie. right. Go. Like, I really want Much Ed like Brubaker. Dr. Giggles. <laughs> the story of yeah. a dentist that kills people. <laughs> I really want Ed Brubaker to, like, break into movies and get his name on a big oh, yeah. screen thing. And oh, yeah. I will see Ed Brubaker's Maniac Cop. Absolutely. You better. You're going with me. I'll go. You you're and gonna, I will go together. you cry through the whole goddamn thing, but you're going. <laughs> Finally, Yusagi Yojimbo, Stan Sakai's legendary samurai epic, will return to comics this August. Yusagi Yojimbo, Senso, will hit the stands as a six-issue miniseries published by Dark Horse. In their press release, Dark Horse offered a description of the upcoming series. Quote, 20 years in his future, Miyamoto Yusagi fights as a general for a Lord Noriyuki against the treacherous Lord Hikiji. Hikiji. <laughs> So the, uh, the, the autocorrect, like red dotted lines is blocking some of the letters. So I didn't know that was a J anyway, in the fury of the final battle, a metal rocket crashes to earth 
and inside is an enemy that neither side could have ever imagined. Witness the final fates of your favorite Usagi characters in this all-new samurai epic with a startling science fiction twist. An all-new 600-page omnibus collection of Usagi material will follow in October in both hardcover and softcover, celebrating the character's 30th anniversary. Dark Horse calls the first volume of the collection, titled The Usagi Yojimbo Saga, the ultimate introduction to the series. Matt, here comes another dark confession. I've never read a single page of Usagi Yojimbo. Good lord, man. I love Usagi Yojimbo. Totally love it. Legendary stuff. Stan Sakai is a true master. The only thing that worries me here, the sci-fi twist. It sounds like aliens. I don't know if I'm crazy about a sci-fi twist in my Samurai Rabbit period piece. I mean, we'll see. I trust the guy. He's very, very talented. I think this is going to be great. I, I think it's probably not what it sounds like. I'm a little more excited for the 600-page omnibus that's coming out. I, I'm like, I will buy all of those. I want the complete Usagi library. That is so cool. I have the Fanagraphics put out like the first 10 years, and then they never put out the next one. The really cool like double hardcover that I have, and I it just burned through it. I read a lot of Usagi, but I never read like the first stuff. It's really hard to find. And it's not, I don't know that a lot of it's in print and stuff like that. So this is good news for Usagi fans. Good news for dorks like you that never read it. Whatever. It's good. God, you call yourself a nerd. It's shocking sometimes. I don't like bunnies. This is going to be fun. And if you've never read Usagi Yojimbo, this is your chance to see why Stan Sakai stands up as one of the legends of the comic industry. I was just kidding about bunnies. I think they're cute. Of course you do. That's the big news for this week. If you'd like to discuss these stories or anything you think we missed, hit us up at the THN forums where we will be launching a full investigation into what Joe Patrick has and has not read, at which point he will be struck with my wooden kendo blade every time we discover another one of these dark secrets of his. Shame on you, Joe Patrick. I shame you! Every Friday, the rabbit-hating Joe Patrick posts the question of the week in our THN web forum, which you can find by clicking the link at twoheadednerd.com. Joe, what did we ask the listeners this week? This week's question, who is your favorite comic book mom? It's Mama's Day, y'all. That's we're, right. We're talking mamas. That if Matt Bomb gets the show edited to, in time to post it on Sunday like it's supposed to. Time out. It didn't go up until late Monday. Yeah, well, that was an issue. Blame, uh-huh. my, blame my wife. It's always Casey. <laughs> Comic book moms, y'all. It's Mama's Day. It's Mama's Day. You can call and leave a message with your answer using Skype. Our Skype handle is 2 nerd, all one word. Or at our Ziggurat hotline, 402-819-4894. But please, keep it under three minutes, or you'll get cut off by Google. And made fun of. And we'll make fun of you for getting cut off. You can also send an MP3 to 2 nerd at gmail.com. But again, please be aware. Other people are calling in. We have lots to get through. So keep it short. One answer only. Pick one, Mom. Favorite means favorite. That's right. Yeah. Your favorite. If you need more time than that, or you'd like to list your top 50 all-time favorite comic book moms... You can go to the Two-Headed Nerd forums. That's what they're for. And write to your heart's content. We have a section specially made, Question of the Week. It's review time on THN where Matt and I step on cracks and break the backs of two of this week's new comics. Matt, 
tell the listeners what you read this week. I hated my mom when I was growing up, so I used to jump on the cracks and be like, die, mother, die. I'm just kidding. I love this my- is... Yeah. She I, have, I have met your mom. She's very sweet. She has, does not have a mean bone in her body. You, you don't know her like I do. This week I read Woods, number one from Image, written by Joshua Williamson with art by Michael Vialinus. I contacted him on Twitter and got a phonetic spelling. Yeah, I don't Thank know God. how you get a TH sound out of a D, buddy. You got to go to Greece, apparently. Here's your solicit. On October 16th, 2013, 437 students, 52 teachers, and 24 additional staff from Bay Point Preparatory High School in suburban Milwaukee, Wisconsin, vanished without a trace. Countless light years away, far outside the bounds of the charted universe, 513 people find themselves in the middle of an ancient primordial wilderness. Where are they? Why are they there? The answers will prove stranger than anyone could possibly imagine. First things first, on last week's show, I mentioned that this series had been previously printed elsewhere. I don't know where the f*** I got that information from, and I was wrong, and I apologize. Let's move along. This. You mentioned that it was printed elsewhere? Yeah, I thought that I, I mentioned that I thought that it had been printed before and Boom was reprinting. I have no memory of you saying that. This is brand spanking new creator work from the writer of DC's Talon and co-writer of Batman Eternal, also from DC, if you didn't know that Batman's there. I liked Tynan's Talon and was interested to see what else he could do. So when I picked up the woods and read the very first page, I was very happy to see he was on to something extremely weird here. The story begins with a student at the kidnapped high school staring at a triangular beacon and sharing a flashback with what looks to be a Mayan, an Aborigine, and an Egyptian while standing in a completely alien red forested landscape. And then, boom, the story flashes back to Earth. Tynan does a fantastic job fleshing out the students of Bay Point, interjecting humor and angst. These are kids that I remember from high school. I was one of these kids. I'm not going to tell you which one, but I was the naked one. The Alleyness does an equally fantastic job of taking the story from real to the fantastic and just horrifying with the help of amazing colors by Yosan Gonzalez. In the beginning of the story, Gonzalez makes the school look very bright and realistic. And then there's a series of four panels where the school is transported in this like brilliant white light. And instantly the color switches from the familiar yellows and blues of earth to these very deep reds and purples of this completely alien landscape. It's very, very effective in the way he does it. It's at this point, the comic goes from lighthearted and fun to Instantly horrific, as one of the students is devoured by an alien bat creature. Tynan is building an excellent mystery here in the vein of Stephen King's The Mist, but with high school kids calling the shots. Some want to stay with the school, with the teaching staff, but a few others decide we've got to get out of here, and they're heading into the woods. All we, the reader, know is that there is a reason that they are there, but not everybody's going to live to find out why. I have to know what happens next here. I'm giving this a gigantic buy it. This was cool. I agree. I loved it. You know, James Tinian, 
he does fine work, but mm-hmm. you know, I've never really seen him strike out and do anything. Well, I don't think he's been given that chance. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen That's him strike out like, and do I anything. Talent, it was amazing good. at DC, and I'm sure what like I don't know what parts he's doing of Batman Eternal, but I do like what's going on there. Right, uh, but this I thought was exceptional, and I thought the art was great. It really was, and I am really, really eager to find out what's going on. This yeah. this weird like alien. Um, monolith is like brainwashing these kids or whatever. Well, it's not a monolith because it's a triangle. I don't know what you call trianolith. I don't know. What's a monolith? <laughs> a big square thing. Well, I know, but mono just means one. One stone, theoretically. Okay, but Lith. this was one stone, yeah, right? Whatever. So, okay. I don't know. Geometry. Yes. But yes, I loved it. I'm excited for more. Buy it for me as well. Yeah, you know, and I didn't write this. In, it, this just occurred to me when we were talking about it. So many comics have either a really good mystery and no good characterization or really good characterization and no good mystery. And this one is hitting the nail on both heads. You know what I mean? Yeah, all of the kids are distinct. Yeah, Very distinct. Really, They all had very good, believable, separate voices. The art is Excellent. It's a little cartoony, but just realistic enough to be super creepy when it needs to. You know, it's kind of like this was just cool. Um, not that it's the not a, that it's very very similar, but the way that it's cartoony but just cartoony enough. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Kev Walker. Yeah, I on saw a book that like too. Avengers Arena, where I thought about that too. You know, it's bright and fun and superheroy, and these are teenagers, and oh my god, that guy just got vaporized. <laughs> yeah, or <laughs> that cute girl just got her arm ripped off. Right. What do you think of that? <laughs> so I'm excited for this. It's off to a great start. Yes, I want to know how long are you all going to be on Earth, and if you can go back to Venus, are you going back? Joe Patrick. Tell me about the new 52, Future's End, number zero, and number one. And deep breath. <laughs> the end of the future, man. Well, as you can tell from the title, this is from DC Comics. It's written by Brian Azzarello, Keith Giffen, Dan Jurgens, and Jeff Lemire. Or at least they kind of team up on it. It's what you, It's one of those, uh, what do you call it, weekly series. So they're like a writing brain trust. I guess. Just like 52 back in the day, mm-hmm. you know? It's even got 52 in the name. Hey, the art is by, in the Zero issue, Ethan Van Skyver and Patrick Zercher. And Patrick Zercher draws the number one along with some fill-ins. The majority of it was definitely Patrick It's Patrick Zercher, Zercher doing the heavy lifting in, in yeah. the art, art-wise on this and one. It, and he was good. Here's just solicit. Five years from now, the DC Universe is reeling from a war with another Earth, leaving the world unprepared for an approaching evil that threatens to destroy the future. Uh-oh. Can a time-traveling Batman Beyond help a massive cast of the DCU's finest avert the impending apocalypse? Man, I hope so. Find out in this new weekly series that will forever alter the direction of the New 52. In this debut issue of the New 52's weekly series, Batman Beyond arrives five years later. Grifter turns against humanity and little children everywhere, and a Justice League member dies! That one was in all caps, in case you couldn't tell. No, we figured it out. The second of DC's three weekly series for 2014 kicks off with these two issues, and the future is not looking too good. 25 years from now, things are pretty dark in the DCU, and I mean dark. Yeah, pretty dark doesn't necessarily spell it out. Real f***ing dark. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) A, A comically bearded Flash teams up with Captain Cold, to fend off an attack from Brother Eye. He's old. 
I mean, how else do you show it? You're right. <laughs> right. How else do you depict that the Flash is old without an extremely bushy Willie Nelson he style beard? A beard like Santa sticking out from his <laughs> spandex suit. It makes sense. It's aerodynamic. He teams up with Captain Cold to fend off an attack from a group of brother eye altered former friends. Meanwhile, Grifter and Amethyst prepare to take the fight to the heart of the machine. Things go poorly for everyone involved, prompting Batman Beyond to jump to the past to set things right, but he arrives too late. Now, I was very conflicted reading these issues. On one hand, I generally love flash-forward stories, and I'm kind of curious to see what DC does here. But on the other hand, everything happening in these pages is so oppressively bleak. It's hard to find any fun in it. Apparently, five years in the future, everyone is a complete asshole. Ronnie Raymond, one half of Firestorm, is a selfish prick whose libido directly contributes to the death of a friend and ally. Grifter is still hunting Damonites in hiding, but the way his scene plays out, combined with the alien's shape-shifting nature, makes him seem like a spree killer after his latest successful home invasion. Kind of. Even Batman Beyond has little personality outside of kind of mad at Bruce Wayne. Air quotes, by the Those are air quotes. Yeah. The other day on Twitter, Mark Wade called Future's End, quote, the new 52-ist new 52 comic ever. <laughs> That's the best adjective I can think of. And <laughs> it's the new 52-ist. <laughs> and at first, I was kind of down on him for trash-talking his fellow creators. The thing is, though, he's totally right. Future's End is the distillation of everything the new 52 has been about. Heroes acting like monsters, rampant death and violence, and for God's sake, keep it grim and gritty. Now, I'm not saying every comic has to be all sunshine and happiness, but this was utterly joyless. Yeah. There was nothing about this to enjoy. Nothing. There's some decent work on display. It's not poorly written or drawn. I mean, look at the list of talent. Jeff Lemire, Brian Azzarello, and Patrick Zercher. I'm in the same place where you are. Like, while I read it, I thought to myself, well, this is not badly written, and this is not badly drawn. Why do I not give a single solitary shit about what I'm reading? Right. And you're right. It's because there is zero joy in this book. Nothing. Right. Like there even- is no fun. There is no joy. And like, say what you will about books like Crossed or God is Dead or Caliban, you know, from Avatar. There are still, you go into those books home, like hopeless. Absolutely. But you're reveling in that hopelessness, like a walking dead type comic book where there are moments where things come out and you go oh see there's still good guys see things are might right. be okay right nothing like that yes here. It, nothing even in the most depressing you know gritty bleak comic dystopian whatever there's a glimmer of something that you can latch on something and in this there's nothing no there's nothing batman beyond travels to the past it up yeah pretty much grifter is awful he's terrible yeah he, he, like he's not but the well, way he, it's he's portrayed murder, he's murdering he's aliens. murdering children he's is murdering what the book is showing you a child taken over by an alien i i get it i know that's what it is and grifter knows what it is but the way that it's presented is in such look at how dark this is kind of way i agree the execution was poor that it just makes you grimace no pun intended jesus <laughs> yes execution hey oh the, pr the problem is that this series is trying to break a world that's already broken. Yeah. Coincidentally, wink, wink, all three of DC's weeklies will be ending just in time for the 30th anniversary of Crisis on Infinite Earths. 
the event that helped shape the world that I loved so much. And in my heart of hearts, my hope is that DC has heard the criticisms and is somehow using these three series and whatever comes beyond as a springboard into something really special. I'm not holding my breath. <laughs> and I will say this, though it was free, you better hope you got your hands on that zero issue. Because if yeah. you did not get it and you read number one, you are missing out on a lot. Yeah, no, definitely. I didn't read the zero issue. I only read number one. And it just kind of leapt right into it, leapt directly into it. Yeah. Because uh, truthfully, uh, like you, I, like I knew the idea of what was happening, but there must have been quite a bit that happened in that free comic book day one. Right. All of the glimpses of the world that Batman Beyond came from, like the terrible bleak brother eye ruled world, were in that zero issue. In this one, he shows up and there's like a cyborg right. attached to him. I didn't even know what was going on. But like you have no clue where he came from or why it's so bad. Yeah, absolutely no clue. Or in or how bad it really is. I'm going to keep reading this at least for a little while, but I can't recommend it. Like I said, it's not poorly done. I, I can't imagine saying, you know what, you'd really enjoy the New 52 Future's End. Yeah. Nope. I, I can't. I it, certainly didn't care. It's possible that the series is headed somewhere really fun and that it's just not there yet. Like, I've seen the solicits and there's this cool looking like future Superman with like this helmet on that looks really neat. I want to know what his deal is. And so I'm, I'm hooked in for a while, but I can't tell you that you'd enjoy it. I have to give it a leave it. Yeah, it's a leave it for me as well. I want to suggest a new title for this book, seeing as we have by my count. If we go by Amethyst, Grifter, Stormwatch, Firestorm, and Hawkman, at least five series that have been canceled that are highlighted here. I think they should change this to the canceled comic cavalcade. <laughs> I read that same Future's joke. End, you know? I read that same joke online. <laughs> God. Yeah, the canceled it's, comic cavalcade. It's, it just, I don't get it. I mean, like, these are all characters that didn't work in the New 52, so much so that they got canceled and now you're trying to sell it to us again in a different weekly comic package i don't get it is this to appease jim lee because it's certainly not for fans that cried out about it you know what i mean this just doesn't make sense to me i don't get it it strikes me as more of dc cramming wildstorm as part of the dc universe now straight down the reader's throats for me a guy that loved wildstorm you're not gonna make me care about this you're not I I know that this review is running long, but I want to I want to kind of compare and contrast this book. It's about the ostensibly the main DC universe, right? Yes, it's five years in the future, but it's the main DC universe. Yes, but it's a world that was already bleak, made so much bleaker. Compare that to Earth 2, James Robinson's Earth 2, the modern one, which is a world where Darkseid almost won. There are giant fire pits. Yeah, I, like Earth almost became a new apocalypse. It cost the lives of Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman to stop it. And somehow that book... That book is more hopeful than this one. Nowhere near as dark. <laughs> because when the new heroes like started to introduce themselves, when Alan Scott became Green Lantern and G. Garrick became The Flash, there was a sense of wonder. Yes. And the super-powered characters in this world are called wonders. So even though it's this world that, I guess technically speaking, started off way worse right. than the one we're reading about... Right. They're way better off. Yeah. So that's a double buy it for the woods, number one, and a double leave it for the new 52 Future's End. Of course, we want to know what you teenagers in space and future displaced Batman thought of these comics. So when you're done running from giant alien bats and shooting kids in the face, 
Hit us with your opinions over at the This Week's Comics section of the New 52 Forum... Uh, <laughs> of the THN Forums, which you can find by clicking the forum button. The <laughs> New 52 Forum. At TwoHeadedNerd.com. Like, Whoa, what happened? Did we get bought out? <laughs> to, be, <laughs> to be clear, it wasn't Batman Beyond that shot that kid in the face. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Whoa, kid! Blam! <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Mother's Day is this weekend, and that means it's time for another running of the mothers, where the brave men of Omaha gather in the town square and prepare to run for their lives from an angry mob of disappointed moms. So put on your snazzy white running duds, tie your sneakers tight, and join Joe and I as we haul ass through the streets of downtown Omaha while we review 10 of this week's new comics during the ludicrous speed round. Do we have a town square, do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, over there. Ludicrous speed! Go! Chaos number one from Dynamite. And listen, I try to be all like live and let live when it comes to comics. People are going to like what they like and that's okay. But I seriously do not understand how anyone can care about the chaos universe. Busty vampires in bikini chaps... And Evil Ernie, a character so devoid of merit, I have to believe that he was created to appeal exclusively to Faces of Death fans. Okay, I like Faces of Death when I was younger. Yep. Right, I yeah, Evil Ernie <laughs> is for you, buddy. It could almost be kind of grindhousey. Yeah, if it, go with grindhouse-ish. It could almost be kind <laughs> of grindhousey-ish if it wasn't missing the self-awareness that makes the grindhouse genre appealing. In case you couldn't tell, I wasn't fond of this comic. Look at it! Original Sin, number one from Marvel. It's a mighty Marvel cosmic murder mystery starring a ton of your favorite heroes in sort of strange team-ups investigating who killed the Watcher. Jason Aaron is on writing details and doing a great Jonathan Hickman impersonation. I've complained about artist Mike Diodato's art in the past, but I'm not going to do it here. This is Diodato at his best. And... He was really good here. Don't give me that. And even if it's just set up, this was a fun setup. Unlike Future's End, the fun is still here, and that will keep me reading. Buy it. I liked it, too. It was fun. Cyclops, number one from Marvel. Cyclops and his dad in space, raiding Badoon ships and basically being swashbuckling space pirates. I love this premise, and Greg Rucka executes it beautifully. The art by Russell Dowderman is very good. Very good. But it's also very cartoony, which makes the space scenes seem a little goofy. It didn't really bother me. It didn't bother me. It's I just like, like it. as opposed to like a more quote unquote serious artist or or somebody less cartoony, the space stuff seemed a little I don't know how else to describe it. It's kind of goofy. Okay. It's cartoonish, but I like it. I like and it. And overall, I thought this issue was awesome. Me too. Buy it. Greg Recca killed it here. Totally. Good stuff. Epic number one from Comics Tribe with an X. This is the story of a high school kid that gains a Superman-type set of powers with a catch. They don't work around hot chicks. Really well-written story by Tyler James with a great cartoony sort of manga-inspired art by Matt Zolman. But there was a high school girl cheesecake locker room scene that kind of came out of nowhere. The whole thing is kind of cheesecakey with really young girls. Uh, it was really just that scene that came off as a little gratuitous to me. Still, solid superhero because, read. No, the girl superhero is also like... And essentially a cheerleader outfit with no midriff and like you can see up her skirt the whole time. You couldn't see up her skirt. You bet you could, buddy. That's not a big deal. Cheerleaders do that all the time. Okay. Still, solid superhero read with good humor, probably for teenage boys. 
Maybe not so much girls. It did look beautiful. I'm giving it a buy it. It was fun. Miles Morales, the ultimate Spider-Man number one from Marvel. Brian Michael Bendis and David Marquez relaunch Miles Morales in a new series that does a good job reintroducing readers to the character after the recent crossover craziness. Also, longest title in the Marvel Universe. Yes, it is. The first comic book in the Ultimate Universe to not begin with the word ultimate. Oh. How about them apples? Hey, hey, hey. This issue features a villainous return, a final page cliffhanger, too shocking to be real, and the excellent conversational dialogue that fans of the series have come to expect. If you've never read Ultimate Spidey before, this isn't a bad place to start. It's well-written and beautifully drawn, and Miles remains the best argument for the continued existence of the Ultimate Universe. He remains the only argument. I said it before. Buy it. Nail bitter. Number one from Image. First off, congrats to this book for the most disturbing cover of the week. Second, for real. Buckaroo Oregon seems to be a breeding ground for serial killers, and it's up to two detectives, one of which is actually like military police or something, to figure out why. Say hello to the next Comic Turn Cable miniseries. I'm calling my shot right now. Ghosted and Captain Midnight writer Joshua Williamson teams with Mike Henderson on art for a dark and violent mystery, and this first issue totally delivers. Fantastic art that reminded me of Riley Rosmo with colors by Adam Guzowski that do a wonderful job creating a very creepy and foreboding story. If you dug True Detective, you're going to dig on this. Buy it. I loved it. It was cool. Amazing Spider-Man number 1.1 from Marvel. I am so done with the point one bull****. Dan Slott and Ramon Perez bring us a Spider-Man year one of sorts, and I enjoyed this different take. It makes total sense to me that Peter's first response to the loss of Uncle Ben would be providing for Aunt May, not immediately running out and fighting crime. Of course, the art by Ramon Perez is stunning. He's just too damn good. I know. This is definitely worth your time. Despite the ridiculous issue numbering, buy it. I loved it too. Burn the Orphanage. Reign of Terror, number one from Image. It's number one of five. This is another miniseries. We don't... Why... We don't ever make that distinction. Why do you care now? I suppose we don't. Ever. Okay, fine. The self-aware early 90s side-scrolling fighting game homage comic returns along with really weird coloring and some odd art choices. I've been told this is great stuff, but I don't get it. Me neither. Me neither. I played Final Fight. I played Double Dragon. I played all that but this just isn't doing it for me. Not to mention, the story picks up immediately after the last story with no exposition whatsoever. So, if it's your first issue of Burn the Orphanage, prepare to be lost, skim it. Madam Frankenstein, number one from Image. Jamie Rich and Megan Levins have created a Frankenstein story motivated out of love rather than perverse scientific experimentation. I have to admit, it wasn't what I expected at all. It's a sci-fi horror fantasy romance. And I think I need more time to see the series become what it really wants to be. I'm giving this a skim it, not because it wasn't well done, because it caught me off guard and not in a way that made me immediately want more, if that makes sense. Sure. Time will tell with this one, so skim it. Okay. speed round and crackoom is a sound of epic punching a werewolf as seen in the pages of this week's epic number one i don't feel like punching a werewolf makes that noise no unless you have like thunder powers yeah like crackoom is like thor smacks right. something with his hammer crackoom yeah i got it totally still fun read yeah right <laughs> 
This year for Mother's Day, we decided to say thanks to some of our favorite comic book moms by inviting them to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum for an early Sunday Bikram yoga session, followed by a boozy brunch where we'll talk about what we're reading next week. As we speak, Queen Medusa, Ow. the Invisible Woman, Ooh. the Scarlet Witch, Yikes. and May Parker Wait a minute, what? are all showing up in the tightest of Lululemon yoga wear and ready to sweat. Oof. What is this that you're making me read? Happy Mama's Day, ladies. Matt, come out of your tree pose for a moment and tell the kids what you're reading next week. Next week, I'm picking up The Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, number one from Marvel. This is written by Mike Benson with art by Tan Eng Huat. Here's your solicit. Murder! Mystery! Martial arts! A former lover of Shang-Chi's is murdered in cold blood while working deep undercover for MI6. When Shang-Chi travels to England to pay his respects, he learns all is not as it seems. And, if he's not careful, he may be the next to die. Old friends, new enemies, espionage, and kung fu collide in this riveting story from Mike Benson and Tang Ying We already said that. I love Shang-Chi. I want them to bring him back. Big time. He needs to be. He was in Avengers, right? A lister. He's in Avengers. He's still there. Love the character. Happy for this. Hope it blows up. I really like Tang and Quat, too. I do, too. Super talented guy. Joe Patrick, what are you reading next week? My pick for next week is The United States of Murder Incorporated, number one from Marvel Comics. Presumably the icon imprint, though it doesn't say that. Written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Michael Avon Oming. Here's your solicit. Discover a world in which the families of organized crime never lost their stranglehold on the United States. Today is the day that Valentine Gallo becomes a made man, and it's also the day he learns the secrets behind the organization he has served since he was old enough to walk. Son of a bitch. But it is mysterious hitwoman Jagger Rose that will forever turn his life upside down. Be there. When shocking secrets of this new world spill out onto the very past page, the very last page. If you got typos in your solicit, it's a bad scene, man. Do they actually have a typo in their solicit? I cut and pasted. It, it says <laughs> the, very, the very past page. Oh, come on, guys. Look, I love Powers. I love Bendis and Oming as a team. I do too. It makes me kind of mad that they're doing this book instead of just getting Powers back on <laughs> yeah. track. I mean, really. Here's the thing. If you want to say, look, we're done with powers, then say it. Yeah, end it. Just put a pin in it. Yeah. Tie it in a ribbon. That's fine. Say, give it a big finale. You had a great run. I mean, we loved it. Over 10 years. Come on, get it done. Everybody loved it. Okay. I digress. All right. I can't not be excited for this because these guys churn out great comics. They do. And they churn out great crime comics. It's true. And I'm into it. Okay. The THN Trade of the Week goes to... Andre the Giant, Life and Legend from First Second Comics, Art and Story from Box Brown. We reviewed it last month on our Take a Look. It's in a book segment. Joe and I both loved it. This is the as close to autobiographical story of Andre the Giant as they could get because there is no real good story of his life. Because he dead. Because he's dead. And it was wonderful. We both loved it. You guys need to pick it up whether or not you're a wrestling fan. It was fantastic. Fantastic. And as always, we want to know what you motherfuckers are reading next week. So, oh no, you didn't. After you're finished with your Sun series, head over to the internet, click on the THN forums, and tell us all about what you're going to be reading. (laughs) 
as you may have noticed, we've had some issues getting the answer of the week done recently, and for that, we couldn't be more sorry. Let's see you try and do two successful podcasts a week. But we're using the final segment of today's show to make it up to some of you and maybe give you a little taste of our other show if you haven't been listening. We're not going to have time for everyone, and I apologize for that. So Joe and I picked a few of our favorite answers to our last question, which was, who are your favorite comic book besties? Take it away, listeners. Hi, Joe and Matt. This is Princess Ashley calling with my answer to your question of the week. Quite possibly too late, but I checked your Twitter and your Facebook, and there was no notice that it was too late to call in. So it, it said seven hours ago there was still time. So I'm going with there's still time. My answer to your question of the week this week, which is about comic book romances, which I reject the heteronormative term of romance that you guys elect to use. My favorite comic book, Bestie Friendies, are me and Andrea Shockling, because we've been flirting a little bit on Twitter, getting pretty serious, and I just want to let you know that Joe and Matt, you were my runner-up. Okay, I hope this brings you to the air. I love you guys. Bye. Hey there, Joe and Matt. This is Chase Magnet, staff writer at DC Infinite and the Nerd Cave. When I heard this week's question, I figured it was about time for me to finally call in. My favorite comics bromance is a classic partnership between two of the greatest heroes of DC Comics. Both of these characters have long storied histories on their own and as stalwart members of teams like the Justice League. But like peanut butter and chocolate, they're even better together. It's such a classic duo that the parent even has its own nickname. That's right, you know who I'm talking about. Blue Beetle and Booster Gold. Since I first met them in the back issues of Keith Giffen's Justice League, they've been two of my favorite superheroes. Sure, they were laugh out loud and funny, but what really made this team click was their spirit and heart. They always read like pals who just happened to fight crime instead of crime fighters who just happened to be pals. They bickered, joked, and handled a fair share, their fair share of tragedy. Through it all, it was clear they could depend on one another, and they were making a life more enjoyable ride for one another. They weren't bigger than life, but they represented the best of what it could be when you have a best friend to share it with. So my answer to this week's question is the blue and the gold, and I'll accept no substitutes. Thanks, guys. Hey, uh, nerd buddies. It is Lily Toots with my answer of the week, and I'm at the hospital, and it's, uh, so I'm just going to make this short and sweet, and with what is on my mind. So my favorite buddies would have to be, I'm going to go with the movie, because I don't ever answer movies. I always answer comics. But in the original, Conan the Barbarian, the character Conan made super buddies with Subakai. And those two guys were super bros to such the level that they painted each other up to sneak into Tulsa Doom's place. And then not only that, when it's Valeria, when Valeria dies, Conan, he's too badass to cry. So Subakai cries for him. What kind of buddy is that? A super buddy. Well, my wife just said, it's a shit buddy. You'll probably have to bleep that out because people don't like that word. Anyways, there you go, guys. Uh, I look forward to seeing you guys soon in real life. Hi, nerds. It's Jim. My answer is John Constantine and Chaz Chandler, star and occasional sidekick of the Much Mourned Hellblazer series. Constantine himself has a pretty well-known persona and a rich history, which was bestowed on him by Alan Moore at his inception in 1985, and then expanded for us over 300 mostly fantastic issues of his own series. Chaz himself was created by inaugural Hellblazer writer Jamie Delano and debuted in issue one to minimal fanfare. 
However, despite infrequent appearances, he developed into, or more accurately was shown to be, John's sidekick, confidant, occasional bitter enemy, but most of all, his best friend. And the only character that never seemed to be at risk of dying from the curse of associating with the Hellblazer. Luckily, they decided not to use Chaz in the Constantine movie, which is lucky, as they'd probably have totally miscast him. Go straight to hell, boy. Yes, it is I, Doc Flux of Feeded Comics, known mostly to your listeners by my stupid real name, but that's here nor there. This is another tough question because there are so many bro-ho and robomances in comics alone worth considering, but luckily I was able to land on one, and no, it's not Gru and Referto, even though it very well could have been. I got one I think we can all get behind. I have fond memories of the John Byrne X-Men days, and one endearing relationship comes to mind, and that is Kitty Pride also known as Shadowcat, also known as 12 other names, and the ever-loyal, scale-encrusted, winged founding member of the Pet Avengers, Lockheed. A girl and her dragon. This was way before Mommy of Dragons on Game of Thrones. In fact, Marvel should sue. Uh, Those two are inseparable, and us older readers have trouble envisioning one without the other, so that's my pick. Now I'm about to break some rules and give you a secondary choice, and I'm almost certain you will forgive me upon hearing it. You see, I was moved by Joe Patrick's submission to comics therapy, where he told the story of how he and Matt Baum had found each other, as if it was written in the sky over Omaha. I could almost hear the Peter Frampton song in the background as Joe described the budding romance and inevitable bond, uh, a bond so epic, in fact, that it fused you two together at the torso. So my illegal second choice for besties is you guys, the two-headed nerd. Now, I know you guys probably don't listen to my show, but just know that our master has taken interest in your work as well as your disturbing two-headed form. Uh, This is Doc Flux signing out. Uh, Take it easy, guys. Matt and I will be posting our answers in the THN forums, but after that, it's back to business as usual. So get us your answers to this week's question ASAP. Guys, thank you to everyone that took the time to call and send in an MP3. We appreciate your dedication and the effort that it takes. We're sorry we let you down. It's not going to be an issue again. We were trying something new. It didn't work out. That's my fault. I apologize. It's our fault. I I am to blame partially as well. Rest assured, I am crushing my genitals right now. I have to learn. Ouch. (laughs) Sort of of, break it 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 down like this. And that is it for the Mama's Boy episode of THN. If you've got a hot mom and you're looking for a new two-headed dad, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Stitcher or tune in where we would love your iTunes star ratings and reviews, your Stitcher thumbs up, and your tune-in hearts because it helps us to connect with other potential listeners. Thank you and pip-pip to our newest sustaining member, Chris, the British guy. And if you'd like to help keep us in Mother's Day brunch money, you can make your donation in any amount using our motherless PayPal button at 200 
And if you want to become a sustaining member, it's as easy as clicking the Make This Donation Monthly box. And as little as a dollar a month really does help. The pound thing, that could be a pain in the ass, though. One pound is worth like 250 bucks right now, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think PayPal does that math for you. <laughs> Thank God. While you're there, you can find links to all our contact info via Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Skype, and the Ziggurat Hotline, 402-819-4894, the most important phone number you will ever memorize. Using all these damn resources, you can beg the comic pushers for reading suggestions. You can hit us with your Ask a Nerd comic questions or trivia challenges. Haven't had one of those for a while. Or you can ask us to review your self-published comic, be it printed, digital, watercolored, spray-painted, whatever. And don't forget, sign up for the THN forums, guys. It's your little piece of the ziggurat where you can discuss this week's show, hit us with your favorite Yo Mama jokes, or just rap about comics. But seriously, we do need a comic push's suggestion for next week. We do. So get on it. Get on it, guys. What do you want to read? Remember to follow us on Twitter, like our Facebook page, and watch the forums if you want to get in on the question of the week discussion. And if you want to hear our answers along with your own audio responses, you can normally check out the Two-Headed Nerd Answer of the Week podcast. If you already subscribe to this show, you've done all you can do. It will appear in your feed every time we publish it. If you need more THN in your life, get over to TwoHeadedNerd.com and check out what I can only tell you is a long-awaited return of the Tales of the TD Dubs. Oh, yeah. Coming soon, as soon as Shasta gets back in from out of town to edit it. Tony Dugright. God, we paid that guy a ton of money, and he is not and produced. he just disappeared. Good God. <laughs> Son of a bitch. The quite frankly upsetting ludicrous speed reviews by Aaron Myers. Yeah, at this point, they just hurt. They hurt to read. So many posts that I can't keep track of them from the Credible Hulk. That dude writes, like, a new thing every day. He is a damn machine. He does nothing but blog and lift weights. I don't understand how he gets it done. Really? Is he all ripped up? He's like an MM. May fighter, I dude. did not know that. Yeah, he will kick your ass. I'm going to stop making fun of him. <laughs> Batman Forever, published weekly by Kevin Coffey. Fun stuff. And still coming soon, we're making some tweaks to it. The return of graphic content by Darren Jensen, this time taking a hard look at Fun Home, a graphic novel that many of you have heard of by Allison Bechtel. It's an important book. Okay. And Darren is going to, uh, he's going to tackle it I in don't know his next anything column. about it. I thought you knew about comics. <sighs> oh, please. Mr. I never read Usagi Ujimbo over here. Next week, the comic pushers are back. So Joey better get his hip hop dance moves in order, y'all. Our weekly shout out goes to legendary Marvel artist Dick Ayers, who worked on just about every Marvel title of the 60s you can think of and created the Ghost Rider of the Old West. I love that Ghost Rider. That dude drew... Sergeant Fury and his Howling Commandos for 10 years. That's impressive. Dick passed away last Sunday at the age of 90. Word to you, Mr. Ayers, and thank you for your amazing body of work. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics. Most notably, Think Tank, fun with PTSD. Think Tank is a fantastic book that not enough people are reading. I gotta get on it. I've never read it. It's great stuff. And if you do so, there's a good chance your retailer just might kiss you on the mouth for it. I got my Carmex out. This? What do you have, like herpes or something? No, it's, 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 like to, it's like to get the chapping down. It's for treating your cold sores. No, it's not. You sexual pervert. <laughs> I'm sorry you folks had to hear that. This is the two-headed nerd signing off. I it's, apologize. It's to make your lips less dry. You make me sick. Smile.